Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Um, We're going to read a passage of Scripture this morning from the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Just a little bit of context. Uh, Jesus has looked up. He's said this statement. Listen, the the harvest is great. The workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that they would get more workers into the field. He says this, and then he takes his disciples and sends them out, gives them instructions on what to do. And this is where we pick up at this point, Matthew chapter 11. Now, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and to preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all these things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Are you the one that we are expecting, or should we be looking for someone else? Jesus told them, Go back. Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added this, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to talk about him to the crowd. What kind of man Did you go to see in the wilderness? What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man that was dressed dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he was even more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say this. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way before you. I tell you the truth of all, of everybody, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Nobody is greater than John the Baptist. Like, like just pause there for a moment. Because, like, for some of y'all that were, grew up maybe in church and you went to Sunday school and all this stuff, and there'd be things where you could dress up like Bible characters or whatever. Like, nobody ever was like, hey, the coolest person is John the Baptist. Everyone was like, hey, David is awesome. Like, all of these things. And like, but here we have Jesus saying, the, tell you the truth, everyone who's ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. I mean, there was dudes that like, they were parting seas, and stuff. I mean, there was amazing things. Elijah, Elijah. I mean, things. And yet, John the Baptist. And from the time, uh, and, and he says this, and yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And yet, even the least person, person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Like, I absolutely love, love, love the scriptures. And one of the reasons why I love the scriptures is because it is just this picture of pure honesty. Like you get the good, 
the bad, the ugly, you get all of it in there. Like Jesus doesn't leave out anything. And, and, and I find that so refreshing because like it's so hard to see that in society sometimes, especially in a culture in which like everyone's, everybody's like, we want to show everyone the great times and hide the low times, right? We want, we want to be like, oh man, it's the greatest meal I've ever had. And yet like you just burnt the chicken the other night. We don't. And so like, I love that I could open up the scriptures and just find that Jesus has said, listen, this is the greatest guy who's walked. Like this guy is a hero. He's amazing. And yet what we find him is, is struggling. We find the hero struggling. We find John in prison struggling with his faith, asking these questions, are you the one? And, and, and it's so crazy because, I mean, this is John we're talking about. I mean, this is John that a voice boomed from the sky when Jesus was being baptized. John was the one that announced to the world, listen, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Like, John, you were the one that told us he was the one. John, you announced it. Like, as a matter of fact, John, even before you were even born, when you were a baby in the womb, when you came into the presence of Mary and Jesus, it said, the, the scripture says that you leaped in the womb. Like, you knew before everybody knew. Like, like voice from the sky booming, you know? Behold, my son, whom I'm well pleased. Like, I don't know about you, but we kind of think, like, if we were in that moment, and like right now, it didn't come through the speakers, but Jesus just, like, man, I would just have so much faith. I would just believe. I would never doubt again. I would just, just believe God for everything. And yet John experienced all that, and here he is doubting. Here he has wondering. Here it is when his faith has gone dim. When his, when his situation has changed and now all of a sudden he's gotten tired, what do we do with that? And, and I think sometimes we buy into this notion that to be a believer or to come to Christ and to have this thing that we call faith means that we can never doubt. That like faith is supposed to be like, oh, I just have faith and I believe. And see, faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the weapon that we use to overcome it. Let me say that again. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the weapon that we use to overcome it. And we, we, we live this, and, and faith is needed in every part of your life. Faith is needed in the good times. Faith is needed in the bad times. Every moment, all of this is just sheer grace. Just sheer grace that any one of us has made it this far. And it's just like, man, it's by faith that you're a father. It's by faith that you're a mother. It's by faith that you're still employed, right? Like you would have fired you a long time ago because you know you, right? Like it, it, it's all of this, man, like faith. And yet sometimes, like, like let's be real honest. Like we know that we need it in every aspect of our lives. But like when we're down, it feels like, man, we really need it. We just really need it. Because it starts off by saying, like, John the Baptist, who was in prison. Like, he's gone from being the man. 
where he's in the wilderness and thousands of people are coming to see him and he's talking, he's baptizing everybody, voices from the sky, he's even baptizing Jesus. And now all of a sudden, he's gone from this scenery to now John who is in prison. Like, man, we need him at the good times, we need him at the bad times. I'm reminded of this portion of scripture where Jesus leads three of the disciples up the mountain. And the scripture tells us like, there's this thing called the transfiguration where, where Jesus literally starts to just like glow in front of the disciples, which, let's be honest, is just cool, right? It's one thing to glow in the dark. It's another thing to grow, glow in the light. I mean, that's some bright stuff. Like, you, I mean, that's just glowing in the light kind of Jesus, you know? And so they're there, and the disciples are experiencing this moment, and the thing out of Peter's mouth is this. Oh, it's good that we're here. Let's build some houses right here. Let's build some tents. I can build a house for you, and I can build a house for us, and we just, like, it's good that we're in this moment, right? We love to build houses in beautiful scenery. We love to, like, man, when we get to a place in our life, man, things are just going good. Things are wonderful. If we could just live in this moment, the bank account's good. The kids ain't acting crazy. Everything's good with the marriage. The job's going good. Everything's happening. I mean, it is good, Jesus, that we're here. Let's build a house right here. And then the next words of Scripture are this, and Jesus led them back down the mountain. Man, no one has ever been like, dude, life is horrible. This is the dumps. This is the worst place. Let's build a house here. Let's live in this. Let's live in constant depression. Let's live where everything is just going wrong. And yet, sometimes, man, it's like we're on this path with Jesus, and there's moments where we have mountaintop experiences, but often he leads us down into the valley. I think it was Oswald Chambers that said, you know, we could, it's one thing to experience the glory of the Lord on the mountaintop. It's another thing to live for the glory of the Lord in the valley. And it is. It's completely different things. It's one thing to worship when everything's going right. It's another thing to worship when everything is going wrong. And everything has gone wrong for John. At least it feels like that. Because he's gone, John, who was in prison. And now it says this, and he heard about everything that Jesus was doing. So he's gotten word and he's heard that all of the amazing things that Jesus and his disciples are doing. It's awesome times for everybody else, but it ain't awesome times for him, right? And have you ever had this moment where you're in a bad place, but all your friends are in a good place? Like you're in a bad spot, but everyone else is in a really good spot? I remember... Um, it was a time a few years ago where I got uh, the man cold. And uh, if those of y'all who know what the man cold is it, is, it is, it is like a level above Ebola virus. Like, us guys, we're, we're just going to die. We don't know how to, to handle the, the man cold. It's the worst thing. And we feel like, ladies, just thanks for putting up with us during that season. So I remember I had the man cold, and uh, I'm laying in bed, and uh, there's something about when you're down you just want to bring other people down with you, right? You wouldn't say that, but you think it. And so I'm laying there, and I'm, hey, you know, Devin's off with her thing. Hey, baby, what you doing, girl? What you doing? And she's like, oh, we're, you know. And I'm like, why, why don't you just sit here? Don't talk. Just sit here and be with me. No, no, I'm control the remote. But just, just you know, you want to bring, 
He wants to bring someone. And then, and then I told him, like, okay, hey, you know, uh, what, do you, what do you got going on? What are you going to do later? And she begins to tell me, oh, we actually have a party that we're going to later, uh, the girls or whatever. And you're like, oh, that'll be fun. You have fun with that. Party. And then she goes. And she comes home. How, how was the party? How, how was, oh, it was the best. It was a good time. There was, some, there was good food. It was fun. Everybody was having a good time. The music, the friends. And, and you're like, I'm glad you had fun. I hate you going to Costa Rica in the wintertime. Like, I just, all of this stuff. And, and you wouldn't say it, but on the inside, because you're like, I'm not a horrible person, but I am. Because I'm down. I want you to be down. I actually remember this one time, <laughs> me and my wife were traveling, and it was, the roles were kind of reversed, and we found ourselves in an airport, and uh, I think we're in Korea. And um, Devin had found out she was pregnant, and so, like, the morning sickness thing had kicked in. And she's, like, she's, she's just, ugh, ugh, And, like, we're in this, like, 17-hour layover. And so she falls asleep on the bench, and I'm, like, I'm bored. So I'm going to go get something to eat. So I just leave her on this bench in Korea. It's not my best husband moment. <laughs> but when I come back, she's like, where did you go? And I'm like, the food was so good, girl. Oh, you should have seen it. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, right. And then we actually get off the flight. We get the Indo. We have like three weeks. We're there. I'm just showing her because I'm actually like, at that point, I'm like, like this is where we're going to be living the rest of our lives, girl. You're going to love it. And she's morning sickness. She's just hating life. And so I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be like, all right, well, get you something to eat, whatever. But it only lasts so long, right? <laughs> like, I need to go surfing, girl. And um, if you just fall asleep, put a little more rum in that thing. And then, you know. <laughs> Hey, I know we're in church, but let's just be honest. And um, <laughs> I come back, and, you know, she'd be like, oh, I'm glad you had a good time. It's just something about it. When we're down, we need other people to be down with us. We need, I just need you to experience what I'm experiencing. I need you to feel what I'm feeling. And if you don't believe that's true, uh, I guarantee you there's probably someone in the room, someone that you've been trying to get pregnant and all your friends are getting pregnant, but you can't. And while you're happy for them, when you get alone, but God, what's wrong with me? Or there's someone in the room that, man, like, your friends are, like, getting married, and they're all getting, oh, and everybody's so happy, and you just got dumped for, like, the seventh time. And you're like, I'm so happy for you. And then, and then your best friend's like, will you be my bridesmaid? And you're like, huh, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for you, girl. But when you get alone, God, what, what's wrong with me? What, what's happening? And in this moment, John, the view has changed. It's gone from the celebration in the desert where people were flocking to see him now Hold on, I haven't even seen you. I've heard of all these things that you're doing, Jesus. Are you the one, or should we be looking for another? I'm not sure. I can't see past this prison. I can't see past what's going on right now. I can't see past this pain. I can't see past this moment. Jesus, I thought it was different. Sometimes it's hard to see past the prison. Two men looked through prison bars 
one saw mud, the other stars. I think sometimes the difference is where we point our eyes when we're in that prison. Uh, I myself have actually been to prison multiple times, um, but there's a big difference. I actually went home at the end of that prison visit. I was a guest at that prison. And I'd go and I've I've actually ministered in prisons in uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Virginia, North Carolina, overseas, and Indonesia, India, different places. And there's just something freeing about knowing that I'm going to go into this prison, but in just a little while, I'm going to go home. In just a little while, this will not be my reality, right? I'm not experiencing the prison like other people are experiencing the prison because I know I have something else that I'm looking forward to. And I'm here to remind you this morning, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, this whole world, everything that we're experiencing, it's but a vapor, it's but a moment, and this is not your home. And that there is something greater that we look forward to. There is something beyond this world. There is a world that's bigger than our current world. The good times and the bad, the things that we're, we're feeling, expressing, the pain, the sorrow, the hurt, the joys, all of it. There will come a day where we will fully know him just as we are fully known. We will stand in his presence and all of this will make sense. It may not make sense right now. We may find ourselves where our faith feels dimmed and we're asking questions, are you the one or should we be looking for another? And I love the fact that Jesus reminds John. Listen, I know what your present circumstances look like, but there's a hope beyond this. Because this is amazing. Think about the context of what we just read. He's in prison. He's heard about all the things that Jesus is doing. He's heard that Jesus is raising the dead, blind or being seen. All of these amazing things, the things that he's heard about Jesus are good things. And yet his response is, are you the one? Even in hearing all of the good news, It's good news for somebody else. It doesn't feel like I'm being raised to life. If anything, it feels like my life is taking a downturn. If anything, it feels like my vision is getting dimmer. And and, and so he's saying all this, the honesty to God, go and tell him. And what's even more amazing is Jesus' response back to John. Tell him what you've heard. He knows what he's heard. That's why he's sending it to you, because he's already heard it. And so Jesus is saying, remind John of what he already knows. What I'm about to tell you, John, is not so much revelation as it is confirmation of the very fact of everything that you've said and known about me is coming to pass, and it's true. So don't lose heart, John. Don't lose heart because things haven't gone the way you thought they would go. Don't lose heart because all you can see is these prison bars. Look up your eyes. Lift up your head, O you gates, that the king of glory may come in. Don't do it, John. He reminds them it's bigger than what you're experiencing. I want to remind you of what you already know, that Jesus is working. And it may seem as if things have gone dim, but it only appears that way. It only appears that way. Have you ever seen like on cars, after a car has reached a certain amount of age, the, the, the light fixture, I don't know what you call it, the, the thing that makes light, light bulb fixture thing. 
It's probably its word for that. High beam, low beam, that deal. So there's this little plastic thing that covers it. And as time goes by, it begins to yellow, right? It begins to get all nasty. And so therefore, the light that's coming out of the bulb isn't as bright anymore. And so you buy this stuff that's kind of this rubbing compound that you rub on the light picture so that you could see again. And I always thought that, that was really amazing because the very thing that you're going to use that you could see better is actually uh, to clean this thing has all these rough particles in it. So as it cleans the thing, it feels rough, but it's actually making it even more clear. Sometimes the things that feel rough, the things that feel like, God, why are you doing it this way is later on Jesus is saying, but I'm going to make it clear. I'm going to make it clear. And so Jesus does all this. He gives John all this hope. Tell him the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised to life. The good news is being preached. But then there's this pause. The, the writer, he pauses for a moment because it says, it says, and then he added this as if, hold on, what I just said, all of the hope I've just given you, now wait and hear this because this is specifically for you, John. And God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. If you were to read this in the King James Version, it literally says, and those are blessed because not offended because of me. And this word offended actually translates those who are not, I, I, I have not become their stumbling block because of me. To stumble over Christ, to stumble over the fact that I am not working the way that I thought you would work because the truth is for many, many, many of the Jews, Jesus was a, a person of offense. Jesus was a stumbling block for them. And the reason why he was a stumbling block, because Jesus, it wasn't just what he did. It wasn't just that his teachings were revolutionary. It was that Jesus didn't meet their expectations. It was for most of the Jews, when they were looking for a Savior, they had this picture in their mind of what a Savior was going to look like. And for the most part, it was like, you've got to, we're underneath Roman control. And so, Jesus, we need you to come in and fix this situation. We're looking for a Savior that's going to come in like a conqueror and is going to take over. And we're no longer going to be slaves to these people anymore. And that's why you even find it, even within his own disciples, throughout the scriptures, the disciples keep asking Jesus the question, yeah, but when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When are you going to fix our present little circumstance? When are you going to rule like everybody else rules? Because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for you to take this thing away and bring this. And when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, when Jesus doesn't do the thing that you thought he would do, when you go from being on the mountaintop to now John who was in prison, what then, what in that moment when our faith wants to go dim. The moment in which the woman with the perfume breaks this oil and puts it on Jesus and anoints him, and the only thing Judas could see was, what a waste. And Jesus said, you are clueless. As a matter of fact, this moment is so important. People are going to be talking about it throughout all of history. But if we only see it through our lens, man, we'll miss the very thing that Jesus is doing. Because let's be honest, as humans, we're, we often get more concerned with changing our present circumstances, and Jesus is really involved with like changing all of eternity. It's like we look at a moment, Jesus looks at like 
everything, all of it. And I wrote this this week. It says, our comfort and his will do not always align. I know, like Captain Obvious, right? Like, and yet, that's the very thing that we seek. That's the very thing of like, man, to just be comfortable in this. To do, just like, I mean, all of, especially here in America, everything revolves around our comfort. And yet, like, when you look at what Jesus says about the kingdom, it's like, that's really, that's, that's not what I'm going after. I, 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 didn't, I didn't do all this thing. I didn't die so you could be comfortable. Like, following Jesus, it, it, like, being comfortable can be a byproduct. Can be. But it's never a prime product. It's never the goal. Jesus didn't die to just, like, make you a little bit better person. Didn't, Jesus didn't die to so you could have a little bit more of X, Y, and Z. Like, he died so we would be brand new creations in Christ. Like, this this concept, this idea of being able to worship, not just in the good times, to worship in the bad times, no matter what you're doing. It's, it's like really easy to preach, super, super hard to actually live. One thing to say, another thing to actually do. It's like the, the idea of change, right? We love the idea of change. Oh, yeah. Oh. No, we don't. We hate change. The second your computer says, oh, new operating system, Oh, stupid operating system, i got to upgrade. You know what I mean? Like, we like the idea of change. We don't always like the change. And he's saying, listen, John, whatever you do, don't stumble because of me. The very thing, like, I, I'm reminding you that your present isn't a reflection of your future. I'm reminding you that your present isn't a reflection of your future. Like, there's hope in this, but there's a warning. There's a warning, John. Don't, don't, don't stumble, don't fall, don't get offended because things aren't working. You don't have to hit the floor every time you hit the floor. What do I mean by that? You don't have to hit the floor every time. Whenever things go wrong, everything has, doesn't mean everything's gone wrong. Just because you got a flat tire doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you, Right? Just because things didn't work out, like your life doesn't have to hit the floor. Just because that relationship broke your heart doesn't mean that you're worthless. Like that's part of living in this world. Don't lose heart. I know you thought it would be different. I know you had different expectations. But Jesus saying to John, listen, the truth is uh, one day I'm actually going to blow those expectations out of the water. I know right now it just feels as if all you can see are these bars. But let me tell you of the hope that is to come. Now this is where it gets really interesting. Because it says this, as his disciples were leaving, Jesus begins to tell the crowd this. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. Jesus begins to tell the crowd how awesome John is after the guys who are going to tell John what John sent him to do have left. Like, if, like hold on, wait a minute. Boys, y'all come back here. This is the part that John needs to hear. John needs to hear that the Savior of the world is telling the rest of the crowd that he's amazing, that he's doing well, that he's actually fulfilled the very purpose that he's called him to do to prepare a way for him. Jesus is singing his praises, but the disciples have already left, which begs the question, did John ever hear about it? 
Did John ever, in those prison walls, ever hear what Jesus was really saying about him? Because the message that was relayed was the very message that John went and said that he already knew. And I, whoa, hold on. You, you, you got to tell these guys this so that way John can hear it. That way John can be encouraged. And I think this happens for a reason because the truth is there's certain things that Jesus speaks over us that we'll never hear. There's certain things that you're not going to even understand until you get to the other side of eternity. When you stand before him and you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You might not feel like it's well done when you're looking through a prison. You may not get word that other people think it's well done. You may even be questioning what's going on here. Are you the one? Should we be looking for another? But I guarantee you that God will make everything right. He goes on to say this. Listen, John, yeah, greatest, greatest of all time. And yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. And even the least person in the kingdom, in other words, like, when we look at this world and, and, and everyone who's walked and everything that's done, everything in this world, like John's amazing. But if we were to like take you out and just look at what I have in store in the kingdom, John is like the lowest dude on the totem pole. In other words, it's that great. This everything that I'm doing, man, is for a purpose. The, your best day, the moment that you have here on this planet Earth, the most joy, the most absolute wonder, the most beautiful thing that you could think of, the highest point, the highest high that you could ever have in your life is but like the lowest day when it comes to the kingdom, which blows our mind, right? But let me take it even a step further, because if that's true, what would our darkest day look like? What would our darkest moment here on this planet look like in light of eternity? See, we serve a God who works all things for the good of those believe, those who believe. And in our worst moment, God has a way of taking and making beautiful. And if you don't believe me, and because I, I know it's hard to see it when you're living in a prison cell, the greatest picture I think that I could give you of this is the picture of the resurrected Christ. We find Jesus after the resurrection, living in the body, and, and, and like, like think, I mean, he's, he's literally getting ready to like Superman it off. I mean, like, he's gonna be standing there talking, and he's just like, taken up into the clouds. I mean, amazing, right? Like, there's a part where like, there's there's this room and there's locked doors and Jesus just like, it don't matter if the door's locked, I'm coming right on in. And he like enters the room. Like this is resurrected Christ, y'all. This is the thing that you, yeah, man, give me that. Give me that resurrected body. I will save money on gas, you know? And Jesus is resurrected body and yet we find him with scars. We find him saying, Thomas, touch it. T touch it, Thomas. Like, See these scars. See, this is important because the cross 
is, is the most painful torture device that they had. The cross is the place in which Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, crying out, my God, my God. Where are you at in this moment? Why have you forsaken me? All, all of that pain and all of the hurt to the point of where he's even literally sweating blood. He's laid his life down on a cross. And now, on his resurrection, he's still bearing the scars of the pain. But it's no longer a place of just pain. It's a place of actually great joy. Look at these scars. Because it's not just about the pain anymore. It's about the joy that I had set before me. It's about the joy that now, all of you, I've made a way that everyone can enter in. I think there's some people in the room that you go through pain, you go through suffering, and you think, I don't think there's any way that God can use this. If he can use a cross, he could use your present circumstance. And, and I say that, and I'm not trying to make light in any way of your suffering. I'm not trying to make light in any way of the pain or what you're going through because it's very real. What I am trying to do is what Jesus did to John when his faith was dimmed. He simply shed some light on a future hope. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.